we are back. This is the Wrong Football Podcast, and welcome to our post-draft special. I'm producer Dan, and I'm joined by undoubtedly the latest man on the planet, G, and he's yet the editor of thewrongfootball.com. We're here to discuss all things American football again this week. Hello. Hello. Just just being late again. Good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, on this week's episode, we look at the moves and shakers in the early part of the off-season. We're going to review uh, the results of the 2017 draft, and we might even give some of our early predictions on how we think some teams are going to do in this upcoming season. So, uh, how have you been, Jay? Have you, uh, have you had football withdrawal symptoms? I've been relatively okay, because when I move into off-season of football, yes, football goes away, but I have lots of other writing fix and bits to do, and, you know, we've had off-season and draft to focus on, so I've already written one column on sort of Bengals off-season, which is actually really rather early for me, but um, <laughs> I, th- I think we're moving into almost, if not quite a full year-round round, um, enterprise, then, then a, a more regular one, and I was very pleased to hear you coming back and gearing up for football so, so, so quickly. That's it, I mean, it's yeah, it's a yeah. It's always kind of by the end of the season. It's always a little bit of a as much as I love doing it and I love putting the uh, the podcast out. It is it does become a bit of a grind by the end of it. But uh, yeah, I was last last week, last couple of weeks, I've been uh, I've been absolutely itching to get back. Um, you've, you've been itching to get your pod fixed. I certainly have. I certainly have. Well, uh, let's have a look at some of the uh, some of the bigger news of the uh, the off season. I suppose one of the, uh, the the biggest off off season is always the time for for people to uh, to make big uh, career decisions and, uh, and 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 sometimes call it a day. And uh, one person who has called it a day. Uh, is Tony Romo. Um, it's another year. It's another, it's another big name quarterback retirement. Obviously, last year was uh, Peyton Manning, so sl- slightly bigger, I suppose. Uh, but the uh, the former Dallas Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo has decided he's going to uh, going to call it a day. Um, it's a it's a bit of a bit of a loss, isn't it, to the league? It was certainly a loss to the off season column writers because all the the speculation was going about who would he go to now that Dak Prescott won his job and. and you know whether he was going to go to the Broncos or the Texans, and the Texans made some quite aggressive moves on on their quarterbacks, and we'll come to that later. But I actually quite like the decision for him. Other than I'm a bit surprised he's going straight in. Is like the first he's he's going to, into commentating, which is fair enough. But he's like immediate going into the top pairing with all the big games with no reps, and so that's going to be a big jump for him. But I'm happy for him because. He's had like two broken backs in recent years, and you just the injuries were beginning to pile up, and I was beginning to worry that at some point he might not get up from one of those hits. So yeah. I think you know it's probably not a bad decision. No, I think I think it's probably about the right time for him, and, and obviously with uh, with Dak Prescott settling in as into his role as, as well at quarterback in Dallas, it was, it was probably a good time for it, wasn't it? Do you think do you think Dak's kind of got what it got what it's going to take to to lead them to to Super Bowl the next couple of years? Well, you know what I'm going to say because I'm process orientated. I'm going to say wait and see because I hate predictions, but also it's too <laughs> early to tell. I mean, he got off to the best of possible starts. Um, he played really well. He managed to continue that into the playoffs and. Uh, there's been plenty of, of quarterbacks who made good starts and then once they've got three or four games on tape the league starts figuring them out and Dak Prescott didn't suffer from that you know whereas Carson Wentz for the Eagles you know went unbeaten in the first four games yeah. some of it I think is to do with Lane Johnson's um, suspension and that you know factored in I think with the offensive line but you know also people got tape on him and started to figure him out and I don't think he's like you know that's his career over I think that he was also working with one of the worst receiving calls in the league but I think that Prescott with that line and and Ezekiel Elliott has uh, you know had a better foundation and really took advantage of it we'll have to see because it's no easy matter but you know he certainly looked for part in in the playoffs so I'm not going to say yeah he's going to win a Super Bowl but I certainly think he's going to be contending with this team over the next couple of years. 
Definitely, definitely. I mean, if you look at the uh, the, the stats for, uh, for for Tony Romo across his career, 34,183 passing yards, 248 touchdowns. He's, he's the 29th um, in career career passing yards in the uh, in the league. Um, what I thought was quite impressive, and I didn't quite realise it was he was he was uh, as accurate as this, but 65% uh, completions puts him as the, uh, the the same percentage as, as Peyton Manning. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. Um, and he's not he's not particularly a quarterback that you would say, oh yeah, he was incredibly accurate. Now, no. Not that he was inaccurate particularly, but he just, yeah, he, he wasn't. He doesn't stand that, out as well. Yeah, it, it's not one that you hear people talking about, about him being that accurate. But I think the problem is that the driving narrative for for Romo through most of his career was the struggles in the playoffs. And whether that's entirely fair, because he was very often had slightly off-kilter teams around him, and he was never quite fully balanced. And then, typically, the year that they looked most most well-rounded was the year he couldn't play, and Dak Prescott got to play instead of him. Yeah. But, um... Uh, you get the feeling that I think that he's he's you know at the, ready for the Hall of a very good if not for the Hall of Fame. He might get in because quarterbacks get that bump, but he was he had an amazing career, particularly when you consider that he wasn't drafted. He was an undrafted free agent and won his way to a starting job. I love I love the fact you've just just said that the Hall of very good. I love that. Have you not heard that before? I've never heard that term, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's one that I, it's not original. I've heard many people so say it, you know it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of the Very Good. And I, he he didn't have, quite have that playoff success. You know the numbers. You, you might get there, but you know it's it's when we're talking the top quarterbacks, and, and there are layers. And, and I always think it's a bit unfair because as to sum up an entire career and go through numbers and the things. But he. he you know, I think he's a quarterback we'll all remember, and he has some big moments. But you know, there were those issues in the playoffs, and I, he, I, I'm really looking forward to him as an analyst, just because you, I've heard a couple of people who've talked to him recently who said, you know, he's able to break down football and explain football in a really good way. Whether mm. you know he'll be able to do that straight away on television, or whether whether it will take time for him to get there, because you know it's a different skill. As me and you know from doing a podcast, this podcast here is going to be a lot more better and sounding and a lot more professional than it was when we first started and it's going to be the same for Tony Romo it's like anything you need reps so but you know the idea that you know he's good at discussing football and should be able to explain things I'll be interested to see how he does um, but there's another, another couple of uh, notable retirements, I suppose. The yeah, the ones that, that caught my eye. I don't know about don't know about yourself. Uh, Steve Smith Senior, obviously the uh, the Ravens wide receiver. Uh, Demarcus Ware as well, Broncos OLB. Uh, Michael Vick, Steelers quarterback. He was he's been around for a yeah, a little while, albeit with a with a bit of a break. Um, and uh, and and Roddy White as well, the Falcons wide receiver. Some uh, some some fairly big names this year. Yeah, I mean Steve Smith, um, reputation of one of the angriest men on the field, yes, and yeah. it, it, I was really glad he came back for that last season. I mean, I'm, I know that the Ravens' season didn't end how he would have liked, and they didn't quite make the playoffs. But it was that kind of he got to go out on his terms on 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 the field rather than after the end of the injury, and he still played well. Um, Michael Vick, yes, you were alluding to the whole dog fighting. <laughs> Uh, problem oh, and him being subtly. in prison yes subtly I'll bring it up for a little bit and some people never forgave him and some people um, accepted the fact that he acknowledged it and worked very hard to turn that around and, and I think that he was a player that was pretty much defined by his athleticism and never quite reached the heights although he was spectacular Yeah, I think a running quarterback needs to learn how to play from the pocket that doesn't mean they have to become stationary and you shouldn't make the use of that athleticism. But I think his kind of career is a slight warning for the likes of Kaepernick, who's going through it now, and we can cover 
the whole aspect of why he isn't signed just yet um, in another point if you want to, or someone like Cam Newton, whether they are able to refine their passing to to become important, because you can't play with your legs for an entire career. Mm. Well, you were uh, looking at the, uh, the the some other some of the other higher profile movers as well. You alluded earlier to uh, to the Texans and them making some uh, some fairly aggressive moves at, uh, at quarterback position. They 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 got rid of Brock Osweiler, though, didn't they? They uh, they they he, they traded into the Browns. Yeah, uh, it was a really interesting move, just because it was basically a NBA style salary dump. Uh, which yeah. is not something we've seen in the NFL, but basically the Texans ba- were saying that they'd made a mistake and were prepared to trade him to a team who had the cap space to take him and just pretty much got very little res- response other than cap relief because they didn't have to pay his wages anymore. Uh, but to be honest, it's a good move for them because they were ready to move on. They were looking to gearing up to um, trade for um, Tony Romo or sign him off the street. That didn't happen with Romo's retirement, but there's an opportunity cost in that you've signed him. If you hang on to him, even though you know, know he's not the quarterback, yes, you know, there's a cap hit and everything else, but they found a way out of that. And okay, we didn't get that much in return, but they can move on beyond the, the Brock Osweiler, who they thought was a bad mistake, and move on to whether it'll be um, Tom Savage, who's um, quite impressed the, the staff at any rate there, or whether the quarterback they've drafted, which we will discuss later. And to be fair, I, I think I don't think it's a bad move for the Browns. Obviously, Osweiler didn't didn't have a good season last year. I'm sure he'd uh, he'd admit that. But it's uh, it, the Browns needed a, needed a quarterback that with a bit of experience, I suppose, and, and who could who could play a bit of football. As much as anything, they had the cap space and they were willing to take. I think they got a pick as well out of it. So yeah, it was the did. usual thing. And I have to say, I'm really quite impressed with the Browns off season. Uh, a lot of people were very wary, and I'm not saying everything's going to work out because at the end of the day, they've amassed all these picks, but some of them have to start turning into football players and they've got to start winning games and developing a culture there but I like Hugh Jackson and I kind of like their off-season over the last couple of years it's been so much more coherent I hope they stayed the course because it, it, it's beginning to look like there's a plan there yeah um, also we've had uh, we've had Marshawn Lynch has, uh, has gone from uh, from Seattle to uh, to the Raiders uh, and also Adrian Peterson as well from the Vikings to the Saints which uh, makes me want to Want to go to the uh, to the to the Dolphin Saints game even more? I want to see him before he before he calls it a day. Yeah, see, I'm fairly certain that I'm I'm right in thinking that the Vikings um, cut him because of the uh, salary things. He's signed to the Saints yeah. rather rather than being traded. Now, yeah, signed it's not, for like it's not three and a half trade. million. Um, very close to the draft. I think basically the Saints signed him so that they didn't have to draft a running back. If you see what I mean, it took away mm. an area of need, and they could focus on 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 drafting other players. How much, how effective it'll be, I don't know, because obviously he was struggling behind that Vikings line. Now, we know the line was problematic, but he was averaging, I think, under two yards a carry last season. And that's sort of worry with both those ageing, free agent, big-name running backs is, is both with Adrian Peterson, but also Martian Lynch has been out the game for a year. And he was retired. We don't know how much training he was doing. Uh, obviously, the good news for him is that he's an Oakland native. He's going back to play for Oakland. It's a little bit of a sop, possibly, to the supporters who are losing. Because, look, we've brought brought uh, Marshall Lynch home. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, we're leaving. Yeah, but there's no guarantee <laughs> that that year off um, will necessarily serve him. Because has Adrian Peterson really looked that great since his, his year-long suspension? Not really. So uh, I'm not. I don't want to be all doom and gloom. And bearing in mind that the other advantage that Marshall Lynch was had was Adrian Peterson's been playing behind an iffy Vikings line. The uh, Raiders have a big, mauling, bruising run run 
stuffing uh, offensive line that was as, was okay, not quite for Dallas Cowboys, was as good as anybody else in the league. And so you've got to feel that with Derek Carr's ability to stretch the field, that he might see less eight-men boxes than he saw running for Seattle. And so he might have a resurgence. It will be very interesting to see. Yes, and uh, and I suppose one thing to uh, to to uh, point out is obviously on the uh, on the blog this uh, over this off season you have done a bit of a uh, a post on how you think the uh, the Bengals have done as well. So do you want to just very quickly sum that up, bearing in mind they have got the G Claxon handy. Ah, oh, the G Claxon <laughs> might come out later, but you should be all right on this one. Uh, a lot of people have been quite. Um, almost derisive of, of the Bengals offseason and I can understand why because there's been a lot of talent going out the door however the talent going out the door did seem to fit a plan you might argue that we should be holding on to um, key offensive linemen and you could be right but our right guard went because we uh, as a franchise don't believe in paying uh, a guard, guards huge amounts of money we lost our left tackle because uh, we weren't prepared to pay a 35-year-old old left tackle despite his brilliance in multi-year season, and so he went to the LA Rams. Good Andrew move for the LA Rams because they get uh, get a very experienced, excellent left tackle. We're moving our problematic right tackle, old Bowie, back to left tackle, which was his natural position at college. We kept our cornerback. We made some other signings. I don't think it was a disaster, but I don't think it's anything like as bad as people are saying. I could be wrong. I'm very, very nervous, and we'll get on to the other, other moves later, but I don't think it's a disaster that it's sometimes been portrayed this off season yeah i don't i personally i don't think the uh, looking at the uh, the dolphins obviously my team are the uh, the dolphins for those who have uh, not listened to us before um I, I don't think we've done too too badly i wouldn't say i know obviously you uh, you've always got a thing for the uh, the dolphins and and our, our lack of, uh, of of liking guards <laughs> but, uh, it was just so, it's just been such an obvious area of weakness that your front yeah. office seemed to refuse to address and and your front office is what worries me i feel much more comfortable with adam gase as coach but yeah. you even drafted one this year. We did absolutely, yeah. We 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 got rid of of El Mitchell, uh, Mario Williams on on defense as well. Um, some 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 quite big names, but I, I suppose one of the uh, one of the, one of the positives, I suppose, is that we did we did draft a, a guard. You're right. So uh, well, that's good, and we'll, and we'll come to your draft in a minute because um, pass rush. Um, you, you addressed that in the draft as well, so we'll get to that later. Run that over here. So before we take a look at this year's draft, I thought it'd be uh, worth having going back and having a look at last year's first round and see how they've shaped up given their uh, their first year in the league. Um, let's start with the positive, shall we? Who, who do you think uh, G made a particularly good impact in the league in, in 2016? The, the ones that caught my eye initially, obviously, um, Carson Wentz uh, for the Eagles and Ezekiel Elliott for um, Dallas Cowboys, and both of them had, well... Carson Wentz I feel like he had a promising start obviously he got off those four wins and then he dipped but he he still he looked like an NFL quarterback I was very impressed with how he, um, controlled he was of the offense and he had not a great um, receiving court last year they've addressed yeah. that in the offseason I think he's progressing nicely obviously Ezekiel Elliott came in ran behind one of the best lines in, in the league and immediately um, won a lot of people's fantasy leagues, I suggest. Um, Joey Bosa was the other name that you mentioned, which uh, just the Chargers being so very, very San Diego Chargers in that they managed in a day and age where the contracts pretty much slot themselves after the last CBA, they managed to still have a holdout and him not get onto the field until about week four. Yeah. But and he picked up an injury as well, so I think he only played 13 games, but he was an incredibly destructive force, and they've got to be really hopeful that if they can keep him fit and get him through an off-season, a full off-season workout schedule, that um, he's going to be um, terrifying next year. I just wanted to um, mention another defensive player, just so we have a nice even split. Keanu Neal played a, a 
huge role for the um, Falcons defense and that young defense that wore down in in the Super Bowl but in his first year he played really pretty impressively and uh, I think I kind of fancy um, the Falcons not to suffer too bad from from the Super Bowl curse I've been impressed by the noises coming out of the franchise about how they're dealing with it and I, I'm, I'm not sure that it will be a total failure I think those guys are so young that it might bounce back a bit better than some of the teams who've gone there and failed and really struggled for next year absolutely um, well it, it wasn't I suppose it wasn't all good though was it I'm, I'm talking in particular about someone like Jared Goff who was who was first pick last year we saw sort of felt that it was going wrong for Jared Goff almost yeah. from um, the start Hard of Knox. Hard Knocks didn't he <laughs> when, when, when he couldn't announce uh, when he wasn't sure which which you know map of point of the compass the sun rose and set in we were beginning to worry about him and it just took him time this isn't necessarily a surprise in fairness because he hadn't taken snap under centre at uni and this is a common theme with the university game at the moment in that they're not developing quarterbacks for the pros. And that's not really their job. Their job is to win football games. But a lot of quarterbacks are playing in shotgun offenses, shotgun spread, um, yeah. running read option. They're not even calling plays. They're, they're basically running, uh, having cards held up on the sideline and the offense knows what to do next. And suddenly they've got to come into an NFL offense. They've got to call a play. And if you get the chance, you, you should dig out the video they did before the Super Bowl of Carl Shanahan going through um, a play call with Matt Ryan and just the amount of verbiage. That is... I mean, I... I don't know how they remember it. They have little cards and, and they've just been told it. But it all means something. It's all important. And if that's a skill that you don't have and you don't know where the sun rises and sets, it might take you a little time to work into an, into a professional offence. Yeah, everybody knows that the sun rises in the north. <laughs> so last week saw the 2017 draft take place in Philadelphia. It was uh, it was an interesting one. As, as you, uh, if you've heard this before, no, I don't particularly pay a huge amount of attention to the uh, to, to the college game, if I'm perfectly honest. In fact, um, neither of us really do. <laughs> no, but you you tend to know a little bit more. You tend to know some of the uh, the names going into it um, a bit a bit better than I do. We we sat down in the uh, in the pub the other day and you ran me through some of the uh, the bigger prospects. Um, <laughs> the the Cleveland Browns uh, took the took the first pick. Uh, had the uh, the honor of uh, of getting that one. They got uh, Miles Garrett, uh, defensive end from Texas A and M. Um, what do you, what do you know about him? Do you, were you expecting him to to go first? It seems like a lot of the uh, the fantasy draft people tended to yeah i i did expect him to go first uh this was um just an overview of the draft although i don't follow the college game i do listen to a couple of year-round um podcasts which sort of focus on the draft and college college um college prospects and so i was expecting miles garrett to go first because in this draft the quarterbacks weren't generally held in that higher esteem it was a very deep draft for for cornerbacks and from very early on in the process everyone was saying that miles garrett was sort of head and not head and shoulders but was like the best prospect and if you were just picking best player available and um, prepared to wait for a quarterback because it wasn't really one that deserved to be there then he would be the pick and so he turned out to be yeah well, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of trading as well there was 38 traded draft picks uh, during as, as part of the uh, part of the draft which is uh, which is a record i believe i believe previously it was last year and it was 34 but so uh, quite a lot of uh, of traded traded picks the highest profile of which i suppose during the draft was the uh, the bears who traded at one place from from um, third to second uh, with the 49ers to take uh, Mitchell uh, Trubisky, is that how you pronounce his yeah, name? Yeah, Mitchell Trubisky, the, yes. The quarterback from North Carolina. Do you think, do you think that was a good move? They only obviously traded at one place to get him. Do you think they, uh, they, they needed that? I really don't like it as a move. Um, here's the thing. If it works off and he turns out to be a franchise quarterback that plays for 10 years and, and keeps, gets them to a Super Bowl, then you would do it 
10 times yeah. out of 10. Yeah, However, yeah, yeah. he's only played 13 games in college. The mm. moved up one place and the 49ers took Solomon Thomas, a defensive end who they were expected to take second. Now, yeah. I don't know because there's been a lot of talk about what offers John Lynch had and there was talks that he might struggle in the draft and that with very little prep and actually he seems to have, have hit the ground running and done really well in his first one. But the fact of the matter is that the Bears gave up three draft picks in this year's draft and next year's draft to move up one spot to to... to pick a quarterback when they are way more than one quarterback away and it seems odd that they would do it for this quarterback it's not like they were going up and getting a a prospect the likes of say Carson Wentz last year or Andrew Luck or any of the quarterbacks that Mm. were meant to be really good in the crop next year now I suspect part of this is because the John Fox has been there a couple of years I believe the French front office has been there for a couple of years and so they might they're worried that they might not be there next year but I would rather if they have stayed put and if they either got the quarterback great and if they didn't get the quarterback there were so many good um, defensive pieces that they could have, could have used that I, I think they'd been better off picking one of the um, safeties to be honest well it surprised me because I looked at after after we had a, had a chat I looked at some of the uh, some of the sort of fantasy drafts and the mock drafts that uh, that inevitably happen around around this time of the year before the, uh, the the proper draft starts yeah and Trubisky was kind of in all of them sort of second or third quarterback he wasn't even the the, yeah. the top quarterback in the, in the in the draft so I was quite surprised to see that happen there are a lot of very angry Chicago fans not ju- yeah. not not necessarily at Trubisky and not trying to take it out on him in fact he turned up to a Bulls game got booed initially then they sort of turned it around to like cheering because they realised that what they hated was the pick and the process rather, and yeah. you know, the kid's done nothing wrong Which, yeah, no, and fair he's enough, gone through the it. process he's been picked second but yeah you know how, how much I, I obsess over process and how to do things and I think I don't generally like trading up much at all in the draft that's just my personal belief looking at how I think the draft works best for teams I think you pick the best player available you sit and let it come to you there are players uh, teams who really like to trade up and down and if you can do that a lot and make deals and get the players you you, you focus on that's happy but I particularly don't like it when you're giving up lots of picks like you often have to do in the first round to make these dramatic moves Mm -hmm. unless it's a really special player I just it was too much for me at the wrong time for the wrong player yeah no I I I think I, I Agree to be fair. Um, well, speaking of, speaking of trades, trades and punishments meant that the uh, the Patriots didn't get to make a pick until uh, pick number eighty three, which was in the third round. Do you think that's going to have much of an effect on them? I don't think so because if you've seen what they've been doing in the off season, um, no, they they got. I'm blanking on the player's name, but the excellent wide receiver from the Saints they traded for. Um, they got got a tight end in to replace uh, Martellus Bennett who went to to the Green Bay Packers Um, they just seem to keep amassing more offensive talent and you just get the feeling that that Belichick and their front office will just keep doing what they're doing and they'll be competitive at least until uh, uh, Brady retires and given what Garoppolo might or might shake into and they don't look to be dropping him anytime soon we might even have a transition into a second dynasty depending on how long Belichick wants to keep going and he's a man obsessed by football I hate to say this to you because you're in the same division of them but they Mm. might not be going anywhere for, for a little while yet yeah, thanks for that. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> I think you were I think you were referring to Brandon Cooks and uh, and Dwayne Allen, weren't you? The uh, the wide receiver and tight end. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But they've also yeah, so they've picked up more receivers. They've also signed the uh, a really good cornerback from the Bills, who I'm blanking on names as well. Gilmore. 
Gilmore. Yeah, they signed Gilmore. So, um, and, and they haven't traded away Malcolm Butler. So that defense is going to be just as good. And I suspect the offense is going to roll as well. Oh, and they signed Rex Burkhead, Burkhead from the Bengals. And I can understand why the Bengals didn't re-sign him just because of money. And he was sort of third on the depth, on, on depth chart. But he's a really, really good player when he's given the opportunities. Plays really well on special teams. And if he gets reps in that offense, he could cause problems as well. Got rid of uh, Legarrette Brown, uh, Blount, sorry, to do it though, didn't they? Yeah, but they also picked up. I'm fairly certain they picked up another uh, running back in the draft or, or another one in Probably. free agency. So yeah, yeah I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be. Um, I'm afraid dangerous again. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, let's, let's have a look at our, our teams and how we how we uh, we did uh, in particular. Um, so the the Bengals uh, picked up first round. No, he's not your local builder. It's John Ross. Uh, he's in fact a wide receiver from uh, from Washington. Um, he, what do you know about him? Do you know much about him? Are you happy with that? I'm slightly worried about the injury history, but as the man who now holds combine record for the 40 yard dash, I'm, I'm not too upset. And you stick him on the opposite side of um, AJ Green, and you're going to cause defenses problems because AJ Green is AJ Green. Um, Ross has speed to burn, and you can't just shade a safety to one side or the other, and so that might open up the run game. So I can see what they were yeah. doing. The injuries worry me a little bit because he's had a couple of knee surgeries and stuff. But um, I, I, you know, I quite liked it as a pick, and I was settling in. And uh, and we ended up, Dolphins ended up with uh, with Charles Harris, the defensive end from Missouri. I don't know a lot about, so uh, it's always good to we we did need a uh, need to, to strengthen that line a bit, and, and it's been kind of. Kind of, we were very much kind of focused on the lines, I think, this year. So, uh, would yeah, you like cheering to... up a little bit? Go on. I've heard some players say that he is um, probably the best pure pass rusher in the draft. Excellent. That's cheered me right up. <laughs> I thought you might do. Uh, good first step. <laughs> explosive from the edge um, might not be a brilliant natural bender which is when they're talking about how they bend their body to get round the tackle. But yeah, no, I, I, I think that was a really nice pick for your for you guys. Excellent. What about the rest of your picks? You had you had eleven picks during the draft this year, um, including uh, without without one's attempt fate. And I'm sure this is the uh, the time if it's going to come out, it's going to then it'll be now. Um, whether the G collection's going to come out for, uh, for for Joe Mixon, who you picked in the second round? Yeah. Um... You were you were wary of him in the uh, in the run up. I know. Yes, we talked about it in, in the run up. Um, I had a really nice, uh, sort of like it was an interesting uh, New Year's uh, or New Year's New Drafts Eve. We sort of have this strange system <laughs> since they've moved to the new thing, where a bit like Christmas Eve, you you go to bed and then you wake up in the morning and find out who your team has picked. On the first one, it was John Ross, and I was like, oh, that wasn't expected. But yeah, I can totally see that. That ma- that makes total uh, um, sense. I might have gone for a pass rusher or somebody else, but yeah, no, I can totally see that. And then I followed up the next morning and I'll be honest my heart sort of sank and I'm still a bit like that for those who are unaware Joe Mixon was I'm trying to make this not sound glib but it but sort of like the poster child for off off field problems in the run-up to the draft and really reason for that is quite simple he got into um what has variously been called an altercation and an ugly incident with a woman in back in 2014 punched her her face hit the table on the way down and she ended up with four facial fractures including a broken jaw um he was he was given a year's deferred sentence has been in anger management uh he'd done 100 hours community service he was suspended from a year for college the nfl in their bizarre um appeal to discipline and this is something we've done to death so i won't go over it yet again but their solution to this problematic uh um uh person coming into the draft was to suspend him from the uh from the combine which kind of feels like a coward's way out 
it feels like a PR move. You're not all you're really doing is making sure every team goes to his pro day, which they did, and you don't have to deal with the PR hit of having him at your combine. Does that mm, not feel yeah. like the case? Yeah, I can. I can see. I can certainly see what you uh, what you're saying there. And so, yeah, the Bengals traded back with 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 the Vikings and decided after doing lots of homework that they were prepared to pick him. And I'm still working on on a piece that I'll write about this in a moment. But it, it kind of feels fairly hard to be a fan of the city Cincinnati Bengals and hard. I, I don't feel like this is a player that I can get behind that I can cheer when he gets the ball and gets the first down or touchdowns. It, it, I'm really struggling with it. I'll be honest. Yeah, well, Dolphins did did okay. I think we uh, we 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 very much like I say strengthened on on the lines. Nice uh, pickup there, end. sir. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, with a defensive end, a guard, and uh, and two D tackles. Uh, second and third rounds, though, saw us uh, strengthening the defensive backs, the uh, the backfield the, uh, with uh, Raquan Mc, uh, Raquan McMillan. Sorry, I'm going to have to uh, learn how to pronounce his name before the uh, season starts. <laughs> <laughs> and Cordry Tankersley so it, it, yeah not. I think it's a, yeah, a pretty good I think we needed I think we needed to, to strengthen that defensive backfield especially with it, with losing a couple in the uh, in the off season um, but it's uh, so yeah I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be going to be pretty good and we'll, we'll they'll, they'll certainly see some uh, some game time I think I, I, I clearly so, anyway. need to work on my um, NFL L brain cells because my memory is not pulling all of the names that I would like out but you're amazing free safety you held on to him right uh, are you talking Koamisi yes the guy yes, who had did, all yeah. the tackles and was on the edge of the Pro Bowl for you last yes. season. Yes, yeah. yes, Gomez. Yeah. Yes, we so did. He was pretty much your only player left in the secondary. So in a deep secondary draft, it's good that you got a corner. As I said, I'm thrilled that you finally picked an offensive guard because uh, yeah, it's been a real hold. And I actually like Laramie Tunsil moving out to to his natural position of left tackle. And so mm. it's not. I've not studied your draft as carefully as I've studied mine and we can go back to mine now I've finished my joke mix and rant and you can have a more balanced view of the rest of the draft if you would like but <laughs> it, it feels like a good solid draft I like the Charles Harris pick and we won't you don't know of any draft until two three years later but it, it feels like you were hitting the right positions for the team yeah well was there um, was there any surprises this year was there anyone that you that you you thought would would definitely go in the first round that didn't end up going particularly early and just having a think about that. I mean, it has to be said, the big surprise to me was, was there were two ones. No one, I think, was expecting the wide res- the three wide receivers to go inside the top ten. Yeah. So that, I think for a lot of teams, that they were really happy. There were a lot of teams in the sort of like 11 to 15 range hoping that, you know, there would be a run on quarterbacks. And it was actually a run on quarterbacks and receivers that pushed some of the excellent um, corners and safeties down to to positions that I don't think those teams... I'm sure the Saints were thrilled to get um, Marshall and Lattimore, even if they were eyeing up one of the quarterbacks as a potential... Um, a potential successor for for Drew Brees. I think that you know that is one of the worst passing defenses in the league for like two years straight, and so to get a corner of his ability would have been a real bonus. Um, I don't think anybody dropped that. I perhaps thought so. I, to be honest, it was the opposite way around. I was surprised that um, the Bengals picked who they did in Joe Mixon, and also. You know, when you see the Raiders picking a defensive end, oh, sorry, no, a corner in the first round who has a rape allegation against him. Now, it hasn't been fully investigated yet, so we don't know what or what hasn't happened. But the fact that they were prepared to take a risk on a first round pick with a, with a player with that hanging over them, you know, was slightly surprising, it has to be said. Yeah. Um, 
the the mystery relevance is always the uh, the one of the one of the things that uh, that, that, that that people pick out. Obviously, uh, that's the that's uh, the final pick. So pick number two hundred and fifty three. This year it was uh, Chad Kelly, who's a quarterback from Ole Miss, and he's going to uh, he's going to Denver uh, to play for the Broncos. Do you know do you know much about him? I don't I don't suspect you do. I'm not a huge amount. Uh, he's no. got two young quarterbacks ahead of him. I think that. Um, that Elway just likes to keep his hand in with quarterbacks and, and make sure that he's he's got plenty of development. And yeah. there's there's several players who you know believe uh, uh, um, managers who believe in in drafting one at least every other year to to make sure you've got young competition camp arms, and you just never know. And you they feel that rather than taking big high risks at the top of the draft, you know if a quarterback falls to them, it's worth taking in the later rounds. And I'm guessing that's what um, Elway saw with this guy. I think you're probably right, but uh, was there anyone in particular you thought did particularly well or particularly badly in the draft this year? I like the Browns' approach. I have to admit, and I and I was really pleased to see they got quarterback. I don't know if he'll turn round, but just they they focused on maximising the number of players they've got. They stayed pat, and rather than because there was some talk that the front office wanted to pick a quarterback and that um, Hugh Jackson wanted to pick uh, wanted to pick Miles Garrett and I like that they stayed it in fact they did better than that because they traded down again um, yeah. at, at 12 because a lot of people were talking about either using a 12 round pick to draft uh, to trade for someone like Garoppolo or pick a quarterback there and they actually traded back for one of the other teams to get it and so they picked up Jabril Peppers who's one of the um, one of the highlight players in in, in the draft in, in a really strong secondary draft is a really strong explosive sort of strong safety-ish type um, safety if I'm getting my players right and so to get those two players out the first round and then get, get to Sean Kaiser big six foot four um, quarterback I, I really like their approach and I just think they're moving in the right direction yeah um, one thing that uh, that kind of came out of the uh, of the draft was uh, was Doug Whaley the the, the Bills uh, general manager uh, he was fired the day after the draft do you think I mean everyone I've seen thinks they had a, had a fairly good draft do you, do you think that's an indication that perhaps they weren't happy with their efforts so yeah, it, it was a combination. I think of you know the whole thing of drafting EJ Manuel's, um, hanging Tyrod Taylor out when he's played pretty well, and also um, he was a guy who traded up for Sammy Watkins, um, and he with his foot injuries, we just it feels like there was enough dysfunction around that Bills team. But I'm not necessarily surprised to see him go. But it's interesting timing. And he did, at least in his last draft, seem to to generally be held to do very well. Yeah, like I say, everybody, everybody I've seen that uh, that, that was, has done a bit of a bit of a review of, the, of a review of the draft thus far seems to think they had a, they had a pretty good one. So uh, yeah, but I think bit it's of more a, for the, I think it's more. I can't believe he lasted that long, and it's for previous offences rather than that he mucked up this draft because we won't know for a couple of years. I think that one was one was coming, but unlike um, Washington, who fired their GM before in the middle of the draft process leading up to it and so we're doing it on without a, a, like a f- official GM although they still had their head of scouting and and, and yeah. their sort of like director of football uh, they were going to get rid of him but wanted to get through the draft process first and it's not it's around now usually although not usually the very next day where the, the where the changes come in the scouting department because even though you've had maybe had new GMs and you had coaches you're in the middle of the build-up for the draft and so you've got a little grace period here before college football starts where you can sort through and change things change the staff on the on the drafting side at least in terms of scouting after the gms which happens after the end of the year well time will tell this uh, this year which ones which of the uh, this year's crop are going to uh am i allowed to, shine to praise one ones? more draft to draft go on one, one well, more just john lynch who comes in with no experience 
Um, moves down one to acquire extra picks and picks Solomon Thomas, so he gets the player he wanted anyway. They also pick up Ruben Foster. Now, there's some off-field questions about him, um, although not as serious as what's as what's been going on, on with some, but, you know, looks like to be an amazing talent. He traded back into the draft um, to get him, so that's a great, great um, pickup for them, and they got a quarterback that they apparently li- like in the third round. And it just feels like, you know, considering that he came into the game quite late, has very little experience, he seems to have done pretty well from his first draft. There's a lot to do in San Francisco, and we won't know the honest answer until until we've been a few years on. But, you know, another one worth noting, I should think. Let's see how they get on. Oh, I felt that one way up here! Well, that's about it for this special post-draft episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, you'll be pleased to uh, know that we're going to be back every couple of weeks from from now on until the, uh, the start of the season to discuss some of the news in the run-up to the new season and most importantly to uh, let you get your off-season football fix. Uh, in the meantime, we'd love to hear what you thought of uh, of, of this or, or of anything that you've, uh, you'd like to discuss. Please get in touch either while yeah, dropping in an email to twfpodcast at outlook.com or tweeting g at wrongfootball or myself at twfdan. Uh, remember to keep an eye on the blog at thewrongfootball.com and if you've enjoyed like, subscribe, follow uh, anything you can uh, to uh, to give us a uh, bit of a hand through iTunes or through uh, whatever medium you listen you're listening to this from now. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye.